good evening <laughs> i don't know if i missed anything hey guys welcome back to another episode of the black property podcast we've got a lovely woman coming onto the show today called sarah who's gonna really give us a good walk around with what it takes to become an assistant retail surveyor with all interviews they're going to be themes that i really want everybody to focus on sarah's quite passionate about the industry she's not really in it for monetary gains <laughs> unlike some people like me um so really focus on on the passion that she she talks of but also how clued up she is because she is quite educated even prior to her landing this big corporate role as an assistant retail surveyor so without further ado we are gonna go into the episode how's the whole quarantining going for you um, yeah it's been a bit of a whirlwind definitely um i haven't been kind of working since about end of march mm. uh, but i've been kind of keeping up with what's been going on at work and in the yeah. industry and things so yeah it's definitely a bit of a whirlwind it's very different mm. at the moment <laughs> okay and in terms of are you like on furlough or what, what's the situation Yes, so I've been on furlough um, for quite a bit now. Um, but yeah, just still keeping up with um, everyday kind of updates on the industry and mm. what's going on with the company and things okay. like that. Okay. And so, first of all, tell, tell everybody that's listening a bit about yourself, what you do, how you came into the industry. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah let's, let's go from there. Let's start from there. Okay, great. So I'm actually an assistant estate surveyor for the Ooh. Japanese retailer <laughs> Wasabi. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. And so, 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 so let's break that down. You're an assistant retail surveyor. Yes. Okay. So I work in the um, realm of something called estates. Okay. Um, so what estates is for people who aren't familiar, um, I work in the commercial side of the industry okay. and um, covering estates basically means that you're taking care of a portfolio of properties. Okay. Uh, so I work for um, a brand called Wasabi and okay. I think um, if you're, you know, in London and you work in the city, you probably have had Wasabi for lunch. Yes. <laughs> um, and and um, yeah, so I work for them and we have over 50 stores Okay. Um, in the UK and five in New York, okay. over in the US, and looking after a safe space key property management, making sure everything's running smoothly, all mm. the leases are up to date, um, you know, doing works on things like asset management and where you can mm. open next. And mm. in a nutshell, that's kind of basically what I do. Okay, wow. And so in terms of the whole process, in terms of you get into that role, so tell me, let's break, let's kind of, um fast forward back to let's say when you was in the younger younger years how did you or what made you want to become get become property property related or get into the industry because that i personally i've been in the industry for about three years and i've never heard of that type of role so this is all all brand new to me also so tell me <laughs> what <laughs> what actually got you to that that assistant retail um surveyor role um it's actually a really funny twisty story because I actually didn't even do my undergraduate in property or real estate I studied okay. international relations well, okay okay hold on <laughs> <laughs> so we actually got we've got similar we've got similar backgrounds because I actually done criminology and human rights and now I'm also in property so how did you shift from international relations which is very politic 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 related 
to yeah. now working within um, the commercial property sector? Um, so I think it started around kind of second year. Okay. And I just thought, okay, this ain't it. Like, I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I hated what I was studying. I found mm. it really interesting. It's just in terms of a career, I knew it wasn't really something I wanted to do anymore. Yeah. Um, and um, I know that I kind of had this kind of creative um, interior design kind of interest that came okay. from my dad. Okay. So initially, that's where I started, really. That was my entry into property. I started okay. um, getting work experience and internships with interior designers, actually. Okay. Okay, and, and, okay sorry, sorry, sorry for butting in. So, so how comes in terms of you not wanting to... Because for me personally, I can, I, I can only vouch for myself. I didn't actually want to go ahead with be, becoming a probation officer, mainly because yeah. I was money-orientated. And a lot of yeah. people... Um, do fend towards the property industry because it is quite a, a industry where you can make a lot of money, whether it's self-employed or whether it's um, whether it's your nine to five. So, was that? Would you say that was one of your motivators, or is it just for the pure fact of the influence via your dad with the interior designing things, in terms of you getting yourself really involved in terms of getting into the property industry? I'll be completely honest with you, it wasn't. And mm. I thought at one point, I thought wait a minute, like, am I like the only person that's getting interested in property not really to do with money or something? I thought that was like <laughs> a strange thing. Because mm. when I started doing that work experience with interior designers and things, yeah. I was meeting with a lot of property developers. Okay. And um, one of the most interesting things a developer said to me was, mm. don't become a property developer. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard work, it's expensive, mm. and it's just, it's a really regulated industry. And um, so when he told me that, I thought, right then, <laughs> um, I'll take your advice on board. And then he mm. kind of got, got talking and he said, well, um, I've, he's seen that part of my um, work experience was in retail, like just doing normal shop floor sales work. Okay. And he said, do you know there's such thing as retail property and hospitality mm. property and hotels and things mm. like that? I thought, mm oh really and then he was like yeah there's not just residential property like there's commercial property as well so yeah. and that's where something kind of just went off in my head and I thought wait a minute mm. I could actually have a look at that yeah um so that's where my kind of foray into commercial property then went mm. <laughs> so just literally by talking to like one or two people through mm. work experience they were able to kind of shift my interest a bit and mm. go into something that I had literally had no idea about before. Mm. Okay. And then, so how was the transition period going from uh, international relations student that is very, uh, uh, that has the mindset of a theoretical person going into a minefield of a lot of valuations, a lot of numbers. How was you able to transition from the, the little experience that you had in terms of interior designing and the experiences around the property developers, how did you able to transform all of that experience and the knowledge that you have via university to then start really understanding and immersing yourself within the retail side of things? I think it was an interesting experience because um, as you said, kind of going into uh, my degree, I was very much a writing, reading, mm. Mm. Um, that kind of person. I wasn't really into numbers. I hated numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I still hate numbers. <laughs> um, I think doing work experience taught me to be a lot more um, vocational in that okay. sense. Because, okay. for example, like lots of people see interior designers and they think 
yeah, mm. they fluff pillows and they paint on walls and make everything mm. look pretty and nice. And mm. that literally is just the end part of it. Yeah, um, Yeah, most of interior design is a lot of project management, a lot of kind of budget watching and mm. ensuring that, you know, you're keeping up to budget in certain things. Everything comes in at the right time. Mm. So I learned lots of skills um, mm. from um, working as an interior design assistant at that time mm. um, at uni. And mm. it really kind of helped me get more of an analytical sense okay. and being able to apply that practically. Mm. So let's so let's talk a little bit about the interior design experience because recently a lot on the a lot of females, especially black women, I don't know, maybe it's because I follow a lot of black people. But there's, yeah. there's, it seems like there's a, a frenzy going on with the interior designing world in terms of a lot of people going on to courses or reaching out to people for experience regarding interior designing. So I, have, yeah. I, I didn't actually know that you actually had that interior designing background. So how did you find that experience? It might not relate to interior designing now, or it might do. So to ex- expand on how your experience in terms of you being an interior designer helped you um at least get your first step within the property industry um it was it really helped because i found that having that um kind of knowledge like like besides you know things like how do floor plans translate to you know actual design whether that's commercial Mm. or residential wise Mm. um doing stuff like that really kind of helped me get my foot in the door and Mm. i think it's amazing that there are more young black women going mm. into interior design because mm. there aren't a lot anyway mm. <laughs> and i know for sure when i was looking for people mm. to ask for experience like it was mostly kind of white middle-aged mm. yeah, women definitely. who had yeah who had like all of this capital to start their own interior design yeah. businesses because their husbands were developers or their husbands mm. were investment bankers or mm. things like that so kind of seeing more young people go into that industry was amazing mm. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd also recommend, if you can, like if you're, for example, you're still in uni, one thing I did when I was trying to make that transition to actually apply my work experience in interior design was I started reaching out to university landlords. Okay. Um, That's so, very interesting. Okay. And yeah, how was your so, response for that? Um, it was quite positive because, mm. like, I feel that anyone, especially if you've gone to university outside of London, Mm. Uh, and you move into a house after yeah. your kind of first and second year after living in halls, you'll mm. realise that a lot of these landlords don't know what the hell they're doing when it comes <laughs> to design. Like, you move into some really raggedy places and it's just like, wait a minute, you really <laughs> put a lick of paint, you know, a few, do you know what I mean? You know, mm, mm, definitely, made it definitely. nice for students to live in. And mm. um, so that's why I started reaching out to some local landlords in Nottingham because okay. I went to university up in Nottingham. and. Okay, cool that was a really good way to kind of get my freelance experience going. So mm. when it actually came to my next steps, I had something tangible to show. And did you actually design any properties for landlords? Yeah. So most of the work I did at the time was like a little kind of light refurbishment work. Oh, okay. 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 Um, I... So like, yeah. So it's like repainting things, replacing mm. flooring, deciding mm. what furniture was going to go in, that kind of things. Mm. Cause you know, I just think that, just because you know you're going to get like a huge cycle of students coming in um yeah. year after year after year mm. it doesn't mean that you have to scrimp on quality and the way Definitely. that it looks kind of mm. Mm. so yeah you know people want to study a nice environment too yeah and it will landlords. so mm. yeah okay so now so you've got your interior design and experience so explain what was your next step in terms of furthering yourself into the property in- industry yep so 
it was at that point I wanted to start doing internships in commercial property firms. Okay. Um, so that was like end of second year of uni. Okay. Um, but the next year, the third year, I was going off to China to do my year abroad. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I couldn't mm. quite do internships out there like the way mm. I wanted to. Yeah. Um, so I really spent my year abroad in China really getting to the bottom of what the Chinese real estate industry was like. Interesting. Interesting. And how did that play out for you? That was quite fun, actually. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think seeing how different it was in comparison to kind of what we're used to in London and things mm. like that. And um, mm. I think anyone who kind of has interest or knowledge in Asia's real estate market will know it's it's just it's completely different. It moves in an entirely different way and there's so many different things that um, they kind of focus on, mm. you know. So so expand a little bit on that. So because for me, my my main ex experience with the um, Asian Pacific market is really the fact that they just come in buy bulk or buy buy and hold or buy for their buy for their child um that's 12 years old and it's going to uni in about 10 years time yeah. so tell me expand a little bit aside from that um minuscule experience with the asian market what did you really learn in terms of okay let's make a comparison in terms of the re retail side of um things um, against the retail here or the residential over there against the residential here? What, what were the main differences and comparisons that you that you experienced in that year out? I know that for me, because I'm, I'm a massive shopper. I love everything about retail. <laughs> so, for me, so you're um, a lifestyle babe. You're a lifestyle yeah, babe. Like, I like my nice things. You know? <laughs> like, I really like to go out and, and just look at things to get. And I felt <laughs> when I was in China, so to put it into context, I went mm -hmm. to the West Nottingham. Okay. And they have a campus in China. Oh, oh wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's I where know. I went. <laughs> yeah. And I went to, there's like a city called Ningbo. It's um, mm. a port city in southern China. And yeah. uh, it's about an hour and 20 minute train ride to okay. Shanghai. Okay. So it's basically the equivalent of going between London and Nottingham by train. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So I was in Shanghai all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so because a lot of people um, during their uni time probably saw their, their Chinese counterparts coming in with their lubes, coming in with their Balenciagas, yeah. with their Louis Vuitton bags and hats. So is it still the same lifestyle out there? That is, that's, 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 that's really out here? How would you compare uh, that? I would say yes and no. Like, um, there was times where I was on campus and I just felt like an ultimate brokey because <laughs> everyone was just nice, but you knew it was kind of pricey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, but I feel like also my experience there is a bit kind of um, biased just because um, out there, not like universities are private. Oh, so man. you have to pay quite a lot to yeah. get into a lot of them there. Mm. You know what I mean? So as a business there, you know, there's only kind of one real type of mm. um you know student there unless you were there on scholarship mm. or things like that mm. um but also i think another thing that i saw with the market out there is the huge difference in poverty really? um, okay yeah i think especially in cities like shanghai mm. it's it's crazy because it's a bit like when you kind of see like um canary wharf mm. in the distance and then you see tower hamlets kind of like <laughs> on the bottom it's, it's mm. like a similar type of thing, really? but okay. you can see the stark differences. Like, wow. and they mm. really try to um, create the city in a way where you know there's like really kind of 
built up places mm. and you know it's all brand new and it's beautiful mm. and it's tiny and then kind of like around the edges you've kind of got you know the real gritty shanghai really? where wow. you've kind of got you know, like the old the old town networks that you see like in those mm. films like, mm. <laughs> and everything mm. but I think like that's the main kind of difference I saw there. But sorry, mm. going back to your question about retail differences, um, one of the biggest things I saw there was the emphasis on town centre retail and um, okay. shopping malls. Mm. Um, so in Ningbo, it's quite a large city. Yeah. But I realised that as I kind of you know got driven around, you know, taxis to go different shopping places, they have huge, huge shopping centers mm. and they could mostly be empty wow but they'll still be there do you know what i mean it mm. wouldn't look as if they're struggling for occupancy mm. or that the occupancy being kind of low means mm. that shopping center is struggling do you know what mm. i mean yeah mm. Mm. i think that's just because developers in china the people that made those shopping center developers like you know dali and wanda for example okay just have so much money that they can kind of afford for those um, shopping centres to be somewhat empty. You know, mm-hmm. it's not really like here where if you saw a shopping centre that had like, let's say, 85 to 90% occupancy, you'd think that shopping centre is failing. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. the shopping centres there are a lot bigger, they're a lot nicer, more elaborate. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them are just empty <laughs> all mm-hmm. the time. Really? You go there, mm-hmm. do shopping, it's just like, where is everybody? so would you just would you just say that the that maybe the one of the main stark differences is the fact that they have a lot more expendable money in terms of their building to hold or their building for the sake of building or building to create a certain facade around the town centers as opposed to here where you don't really see um empty shopping centers or malls why do you think that reason is I think it was a bit of like a, a mixture. I think mm. building to hold was quite an uh, interesting thing. Mm. And I think also the time I went, because I went from 2016 to 2017. Okay. And um, so I think then, you know, when you just look around the city, all you see are cranes. With really? Things mm. being built, things going up. And I think mm. it just shows like the kind of hyper growth mode that they're in. Mm. That they want to get stuff built. They want to put people in there, whether it's offices, mm. whether it's flats, retail, mm. mixed use, everything. They just want to get things going, get their economy moving. Well, I swear they built a hospital in like 48 hours or something like that. I said, <laughs> honestly, like when I saw that video, I was like, that is the most on brand thing I've ever seen. Are you sure that, that, that that's even stable? Like, can cement even inset in that time for them to be building? Like, and it was, it was quite a big building too. It wasn't, it yeah, wasn't like it was. a small hospital. Wow. It was insane. And <laughs> so on brand because there were certain developments I saw locally that were by mm. the university that were kind of in the early stages yeah. um, when I started there. And then when I was going back home in like June, July, they were almost finished. Wow. Like exterior wise. And it was wow. absolutely insane. Mm. So with, when you was out there, so you, did you do anything property related or was it just really just taking in, the, taking in the scenario that you was in or did you, or was you just mainly focused on your year abroad for your international relations degree? I'll be quite honest with you. I don't even know how I passed that year. Academically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really out exploring. Like really? I, I wasn't really wholly interested in my degree mm. at work at that point. I was just trying to get out as much as I can, mm. research, 
Mm. I tried to get in touch with, for example, like Christian and Wakefield, JLL. Mm. I was trying to get in touch with their um, mm. offices in China and ask yeah. for like information, how they find yeah. the market. I was reading, mm. you know, their office outlook reports they yeah. have on their website. Just, I was just trying to take in as much as I could really. Just mm. so that when I went to the UK and applied for property internships, I had something tangible to say, mm. I have interest here. You know? Definitely, definitely. So, and how was your experience actually being a black person out in, around, out and about around in Shanghai? Was they doing like the whole pointing? Oh my God, it's a black person, or was it? Do you think that's hyped up, or was it? Did you? How did? How was your experience um, as a black woman in China? I think I was ultimately I was fine because mm. before I went, like when I tell you, I watched every single video on YouTube about <laughs> being black in China, being black in. China. <laughs> What's being black like it was black? I watched every single like. Do you know when you have to go to like page twenty? Like, yeah. I was on page twenty. Wow. Like, like I watched all the videos and I thought, right, this is what they're gonna do. Mm. Get used to it, kind of thing. <laughs> mm. I went there. I was just like, oh yeah, this is fine. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. People do point. People do take pictures. People ask for mm. pictures with you. Like there were some of my friends who tried to charge for pictures. Oh wow! <laughs> and it was it was hilarious because people mm. did actually pay. Like, and it was just, it was crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, people do kind of point and stare, but mm. I wouldn't say like, if I ever received like abuse or anything like that. Mm. Mm. Like, mm. it was fine. And I think maybe that's because I was a student there. Like, I wasn't there long term. Yeah, I was just definitely. there to have fun and mm. learn about the culture. I do mm. think if you want to go out there, mm. learn Mandarin because it will mm. save your life. <laughs> Nihama, Nihama. That's, that's literally all I know. Yeah, I mean, like, that, even something like that will just help because mm. it's not, you're just going to make your living situation more difficult. Mm. Yeah. And mm. I didn't really kind of go to China thinking, yeah, I'm going to learn Mandarin. Mm. I kind of just went. Yeah. And then got there, I saw all the other international students, like people from Chile, people mm. from Brazil, people from India. They were all like, yeah, I know Mandarin. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I should probably learn. Mm. <laughs> 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 I'm excited. Mm, okay so fast forward the end of third year what is your mindset in terms of you graduated now um well did you graduate no so i graduated my course is four years oh so you're also four years okay so so fast forward did you do any like anything property related from after you um came back from your um your abroad did you do anything property property related um in that period of time yeah so when i came back from my abroad i kind of went back into kind of you know, retail working part time. Okay. Um, but then I I got um, work experience with another interior designer slash developer. Okay. And who who are they called? And they're called Akuta Group, but they're called okay. ACG now. Okay. Cool. And I think they were. I think they're linked to Knight Frank Interiors okay. or something like that. They have like okay. a weird link there. Mm. Um, but I didn't actually get onto um property related um work experience the following year mm. after my final year. Okay, so so in terms of that, when you when you came back um, with a company called ACG, you said that are now called ACG. Was it the same kind of the same format in terms of when you first um, done your work experience in interior designing? Um, it was quite a different experience because this experience was centered around marketing, okay. actually. So got to see some amazing new developments they were working on and things like that, and I think. Mm. Um, I think when you're in uni, mm. you should really just try and take on 
everything. I don't think that, oh, like, for example, I want to go into law, so I'm not going to do internships to do with business, to do with marketing, mm. to do with this, this, that. Mm. Um, because I feel like you can take away so many more valuable skills if you do kind of mm. little things here and there, you know? Mm. Mm. Um, so mm. that was kind of my mindset going into, even though they were an interior design company, I was mm. in their kind of marketing and social media mm. um, okay. position. Mm. And so, I learned a lot, yeah. Okay, so what were you going to say, sorry? Yeah, so I, I learned a lot mm. about kind of how to market properties towards mm. ultra high net worth and high net worth individuals, what they mm. like to see, um, how different people live and things mm. like that. So it was, um, it was really interesting. Mm, mm. So may I, so how comes you didn't go down because you've now had two two experiences with the with interior design and companies with two different roles. How comes you didn't go down that interior design and route? You now you're now an assistant retail surveyor. So I think the reason ultimately I didn't decide to go into doing design long term mm-hmm. was ultimately because I felt like you needed a lot of a lot more social capital okay. in the industry. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, I felt like interior design was quite a closed industry to get into mm. unless you kind of knew the right people or you had mm. the right amount of money and actual projects mm. to get started with, if mm. that makes sense. Definitely. And the type of interior design I wanted to kind of go into, which was kind of like high-end mm. interior design, Mm. That was very, very closed off. <laughs> really? Like, uh, yeah, everyone knows each other. Everyone went to the mm. same interior design school, that kind mm. of thing. Like, you do, in some cases, need those kind of accolades behind you mm. if you want to get into that kind of design, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so, um, and so, so in terms of just just going a little bit off topic, so with, with all of these people that are now immersing, immersing themselves in the interior designing world, with those um, potential boundaries that, we have, that are naturally going to, going to be there, how would, you, how would you advise people to break into the industry if you were still an, a part of the interior designing world? Um, I would focus on relationships. Mm. I think that that just doesn't even extend to interior design, but to property especially as well, just focus on relationships, building a network with other interior design, entire mm. interior designers in your city or where you mm. are. Yeah. Uh, maybe doing work together, whether that's a blog or you design mm. a room together, anything like that, especially with social media being so prominent now, mm. there's so many different avenues that you can go along that yeah. you can kind of um, help build your profile. So I would mm. say relationships are key mm. um, if you kind of want to stick around Mm. and build lasting power in interior mm. design because um, I felt like lots of those interior designers that I was talking about, the ones that I had work experience for and things like mm. that, they all knew each other. They all knew each other's work. They mm. used the same um, providers of, you know, furniture and they used the same joiners mm. to do their cupboards. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, having definitely. those systems to make things easier so that they don't directly see you as competition mm. is going to really help. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so now fast forward to just before you get your first surveyor related job. How did you now start transitioning into you going into the surveying route then? Yep, so um, during my final year of uni, that was when I was in hype mode. I was Mm. applying (laughs) like crazy for that Mm. summer when I graduated. Okay, and for me, that was what it was all about. I said, Mm. I'm gonna ask every single property company for work experience like mm. my email sent <laughs> folder <laughs> it 
hospitals was crazy and mm. the amount of rejections I got was crazy as well. Mm. And um, but yeah, eventually I ended up getting internships at CBRE. Okay. And, okay. Um, Landsec, if anyone knows of Landsec or Land Securities, mm. and um, this government-owned property agency called Located. Okay. Um, that was all within one summer, so I didn't have a summer that summer, mm. basically. And so, uh, because I, yeah, get a so, experience. So how? So how? So holding off in terms of what you actually done in terms of the actual apprentice work, um, internship work, how did you go about applying for these internships? Where did you look? Did you go to recruitment agents? Did you just go to their websites? How did you, because CBRE is, is globally known. So how does somebody that goes from um, being an international relations student know about all of these global type companies? Yep. So one thing about me is when I have like my eyes set on something, I, I really mm. go for it. I'll, mm. I would spend hours online looking at websites i'll go on google literally search mm. property firms and mm. then i will literally just go through every single one i thought oh yeah this one looks cool this one mm. looks nice like mm. and i'll just i'll literally just make a list of all yeah. of them and if they if i see that they have a graduate scheme or an internship scheme i'll put that on my list and i'll apply for it or oh. i would um just go online and i'll search oh cbre graduate recruitment scheme you know what you need like you have to have done real estate before can you just mm. go into it straight to that, things like that mm. so mm. for me research was key like mm. so when mm. when it got to me actually applying for these roles i already knew the companies i was going to mm. um apply for mm. and how mm. the application was going to look and everything just because i'd done research prior mm. and i knew who the big players were i knew mm. who the medium players were i knew that there were different um firms for different industries and I mm. knew, like, do you know what I mean? So mm. I think just doing as much research as you can because, you know, I think sometimes people forget like how competitive internships are to mm. get. Mm. Um, they're not easy to get. So having done research beforehand mm. is just really important to make sure that you don't get huge amounts of rejections and they're all a no. Um, because I felt like the year before, um, so before I went to China, I applied for the same companies and I didn't get any of them. Mm. um so for me it was about learning like i think i just wasn't ready ready at that point mm. to kind of jump straight in i just had to you know do more research you know learn more about what they actually do mm. under the hood and then apply later on so okay so you've done a few internships within that summer what was your typical working week like um during those internships um so because honestly, it was quite hard to pin because they were, they're all such different companies. Mm. Um, so just for a bit of context, at CBRE, um, CBRE is um, a large scale commercial property and residential property firm, for those who don't know. Mm. Um, so within there, I was actually in the residential property team. Mm. Um, so I didn't actually want to do residential property at the beginning. How come? I was really keen on going into commercial. Mm. How come you didn't, um, do re- you didn't want to do Resi? Um, I, I don't know. I just felt like um, CBRE in particular, their residential team is still fairly new. Mm. Um, mm. So I thought, oh, like, should I really like, should I really do this then? Or should, mm. should I like just leave it or whatever? But I kind of just jumped in and I went straight for it. And um, their residential team was really, really interesting. I learned mm. so much in uh, those four weeks. And mm. I think for me, that was basically, I was basically like a high-end estate agent, yeah. basically, mm. <laughs> in those four weeks. And it's incredible. So, so what was your, what was your um, 
your internship title so was it not um surveyor related was it actually you going out um doing viewings or being a part of the residential sales team or was it the residential surveying team um it was the residential sales team and letting okay team. okay and how, how how was that how was that being a part of a corporate a corporate estate agent yeah honestly honestly it was really good because i feel like estate agents get a really bad rep i'm not gonna mm. lie because they I do. felt it did feel a bit different because CBRE, everyone knows that as a commercial firm. Yeah. No one really knows it as a residential firm. Mm. So the kind of properties that we were putting on the market were like, you know, one, two million pound mm. plus and rent for like 900 pounds a week and things like that. Like I learned mm. so much about just money mm. in <laughs> those four <laughs> weeks. Because like especially now, I I look at sixty four million. I'm just like, oh, that's that's a shit that's budget. Not, that's yeah, shit that's budget. that's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. Yeah, I I was just so shocked. Mm. And um, like, um, one of the most interesting things for me was um, learning about the different clients mm. and how they differentiate their Middle Eastern clients from their mm. Chinese clients yeah. and their Russian yeah. clients and how they market different properties to mm. those different people and i just thought that is absolutely insane mm. and for example one of the things that i learned um, for um, people listening is um middle eastern clients for example really like lateral living yep. so yep. if they buy um you know maybe if they really like everything being on one floor, one floor. because yep. a lot of them moving with their families whereas chinese yeah. clients really like kind of duplex living yeah you yeah. know they don't mind stairs in in their mm. um penthouse suites and things yeah. like that and i think learning i was just like i never even thought mm. that like with even um chinese um and hong kong or singapore well mainly chinese chinese they i don't know how to pronounce it it's feng shui feng shui yeah feng shui that they they won't buy an apartment that is um that is north facing they won't buy on yeah. on any apartment that is related to level um to related to the number four so if your apartment has the, the door numbers level four it's on um the door number is level f- number four or it's on level four they won't buy it because of the fact yeah. that it's a, due to it, it being unlucky um yeah and even with the the middle east is that for instance all of my clients that i've ever sold to that are from let's say Russia, also from Kuwait, um, Saudi Arabia, and Dubai, they all they are the three to four type, three four bedroom type apartments. They they will never go for like a one bedroom or two bedroom because of the fact that they will come in the summer when it's the rain season over there, and they'll all their whole family will congregate just for the summer and then go back for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. So it, it, it is definitely interesting how different types of um, countries operate in terms of the residential because even with um, the UK, the UK like long, long corridors, but the Chinese absolutely hate it because they think it's a waste of space. So yeah, it's yeah. definitely interesting um, how different countries do operate. So you've done that residential um, sales type um, role for four weeks. So how was your second internship then? And what was that role? Yep. So my second internship was with um, a company called Located. So this was okay. the kind of the odd one for me. Okay. Um, so this is in the realm, it's still property related, but in the realm of education. Okay. Um, so what Located is as a company is it's a government owned property agency for mm. building free schools okay. in the country. And um, so it's basically like a massive development um, mm. company and they basically want to help um 
build more free schools in areas. So we do everything from finding the land that it's on, the design, the construction, um, who to actually get to build it, everything mm. like that. Mm. Uh, so mm. that internship was very strange because it's um, public sector work. Okay. And again, mm. that was another thing that I was a bit nervous about because mm. I public sector stuff has a lot of red tape. There's lots of yeah. rules, lots of regulations you have to follow. Mm. So I was interested in what that experience was going to be like. And mm. it, it, I did learn a lot from that as well. And one thing that I did learn, especially coming from a political background, because all of this kind of ties together, is that free, the idea of free schools is a very conservative thing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we found that obviously... The, where um, people have put in applications where they want free schools, so for example, let's say Tower Hamlets, um, that's quite a Labour-dominated council and mm-hmm. a borough. So when um, we wanted to help put a free school there, the council were just like, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> like, <laughs> not even set up a meeting with you because mm. no, you know. So mm. I think going through those kinds of things and sitting in on meetings where you've got maybe 10 different construction companies mm. who are applying for a place just so they can build the school for you and things like that. Yeah. I think learning about that was really interesting for me as well because mm. I had no idea that companies went through that kind of yeah, massive process. process. Mm. Yeah, I didn't mm. know anything about that. That was really good too. And how long were you doing that um, internship for? Um, so that was for another month. Oh, for another month. So how many internships that summer did you do? Was it two or three? Three. <laughs> three. Okay. And ugh, bloody hell, you was busy. So what was, yeah. the, what was the third, third one? Um, the third one was land spec, land securities. Okay, cool. And talk us through what, what you done there. Um, so land securities, I think, was the more, most on-brand internship in terms of what I wanted to go into. So mm. land securities is a real estate investment trust. Okay. Um, so it means that you can you can also invest in the stock station, things like that. Yeah. And um, they basically own and manage and lease out various developments all over the UK. So that's um, shopping centres and office buildings, but mm. they mostly own um, office buildings and shopping. Yeah, office and shopping centres. Mm. So I spent half internship working with the asset management and retail team. Mm. and half of the internship working with um the development team okay so so now so you're at the end of your at the end of your summer you've got residential sales and lettings experience you've got public sector property development experience and now you've got quite a lot of commercial experience so now what is your like how how are you feeling as somebody that's just experienced a complete 360 to what she's been taught for the last four years. What is your mindset now? Um, I honestly felt a bit on top of the world. I'm mm. not going to lie. I just <laughs> felt like I was really ready to go on to something property related, like an actual property related role. And mm. I felt like I, even though it was a bit, you know, um, spread out in different sectors, mm. I felt like I'd learned so much about different areas of the property industry and how it worked. And I felt like I was just ready to be a sponge mm. and just kind of um, take my career forward. I felt great after that. Lovely. That's what we love to hear. Okay. So <laughs> now, so now you're, you're still a newbie, you're a novice, but you've got quite a bit of experience. So now what are your next steps? Um, so at that time, I actually went on to do commercial property agency. Okay. Um, so I went into work for a retail um, surveying practice called Harper Dennis Hobbs, okay. um, which is based in um, the West End. 
Okay. And I did um, basically lease consulting and lease advisory work for them for a few months. And that was like mm. my first foray into kind of like a graduate job and like a first actual role in the commercial property sector. So you was able to get that role with even with quite limited experience, essentially 12 weeks worth of experience. And you was able to get a consultancy role for a commercial firm. Yeah. Okay. And how did how did that how did that differ from maybe your expectations of the commercial side of property against everything that you learned over those 12 weeks? I think for me, it was quite a unique experience because um, that company in particular is one of very, very few um, tenant side mm. um, advisory practices. So, because quite usually in um, commercial property, most firms or practices either do purely landlord work mm. or they do landlord and tenant work. Yeah. And um, this practice only did tenant work. Okay. So it was their job to basically get the right kind of um, lease structures and lease deals for um, retailers, essentially. Mm. Mm. And for me, that was quite different because I've only ever really seen in any and everything from a landlord's perspective. perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was, it was quite um, difficult, um, mm. but it was a really, really kind of deep and good jump. And mm. I spent basically my whole days in that area, basically reading and summarizing retail leases, mm. which <laughs> if you've ever read through a commercial lease, it's very painful. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay, and how, and how long was you doing that role for? Um, so I was there for about two and a half months and mm. I said, I need a bit more than just lease work. I need mm. to do something else. Mm. Um, so yeah even it was a really good learning experience and learning curve Mm. but I just felt like I didn't really just want to do lease work for the rest of my career in property Mm. and so then what so then what were again your next steps um so I went back to um retail for a little bit just to working on the shop floor and things like that just to kind of recoup and this is also the time where I started my master's because previously they were paying for my master's degree Okay. So what, qualified. so what was your master's in? Oh, so this was, um, let me see, real estate. Okay. Okay. So um, explain what that um, involves, because I, funny enough, also started my master's, but I only done up to probably the f- end of the first term, and then I dropped out. So explain what the whole, whole master's in real estate um, compromises of. Okay, so... Uh, just for a bit of context, if you wanted to, let's say, go into property or surveying, you would usually have to do some kind of um, conversion course if you hadn't studied um, a property degree prior. Um, so this is like the route that I went down. So uh, Masters in Real Estate basically comprises of modules like property transactions. So that's how to um, lease, sell or buy property, commercial property. Um, other things like development, construction, property management. So it's basically giving you a kind of like a holistic view of the commercial property industry and how it operates and how it works in the UK and in some cases abroad as well. Mm. Okay. So you, and are you, you're still doing your master's now? Yeah, that's right. And, and how long is the master's? Um, because I'm studying it part-time and online, mm. um, it can take... The quickest time to complete, I think, is two years, mm. but it can take you can take as long as you want, really, okay. um, to finish it. I think it just mm. depends on you. So I'll be finishing mine 
next year. Oh, we thank God. We definitely thank God. Okay. <laughs> um, and so is the company that you're working for funding your masters or are you funding it yourself? Um, so they're funding my masters now. Okay. Um, so you're, so you're working full time. Um, well, currently you're not working due to the whole COVID situation, but yeah. <laughs> um, typically you're working and then you're str- um, juggling your masters alongside that. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So give us um, a typical working week for an assistant retail surveyor for, is it a Japanese firm you said? Yeah, so I work for a Japanese retailer called Wasabi. Wasabi, okay, cool. And so what is your typical day-to-day working week like, aside from you studying from your masters? Um, It's honestly, I know it sounds so cliche when people say this, but no day is really the same um, <laughs> really in the states work because mm. you're having to deal with so many different mm. people all at once so mm. for me like on mondays i usually kind of come in to work and mm. i'll just go through my emails from the following week mm. you know see what's happened mm. and i'd usually try and update something called a portfolio tracker okay um so this is basically a massive internal document where we put down the name, the address um, of each and every store that we have in the UK mm. and the US. And we basically go with go through it with our finance team. Yep. And we basically go through and we basically say, okay, our rent is this much. We're paying this much on things like service charge, business rates. Mm. Is there anything that has changed lately in legislation that means that maybe our service charge is going to go up or, mm. or do we have a rent review coming up or is our rent going to go up next year? And mm. it's basically just trying to strategize and you have to do that every week just to make mm. sure that you're on top of costs, finances and things like that. Mm. Um, another day you could be talking with the CEO, just talking mm. about um, strategy and um, let's say expansion, because I think one, pe- one thing that people kind of forget sometimes is the fact that in commercial property, um, how many properties you have is directly tied with expansion. Yeah. So um, it's, it can be very, very expensive and can take mm. a huge toll on the company. And I mean, for example, um, what I said earlier about um, seeing um, really big numbers in the industry and mm. not being phased by them, mm. um, you know, like, for example, we have a store in Victoria Station mm. um, and the rent we pay there is almost 700K a year. and i think you know part of your job as an estate surveyor is making sure when that rent goes up because in london it's upward only rent it can can Mm. never go down Mm. um so making sure for example that when it does go up you're putting in the right kind of strategies in place to Mm. make sure that it doesn't go up too high and that you can still afford you know overheads and things Mm. like that Mm. and um yeah Mm. And with you being the, having the title of an assistant retail surveyor, does it does it vary much after you become, let's say, a normal surveyor? Like, is there a, a, a differentiation in terms of assistant and retail surveyor and a retail surveyor? Um, so, for example, um, in my team, it's quite a small team. Mm. Uh, so it's just literally just me, and then there's my manager who's head of property. So mm. it's literally us doing the direct property work. And then you mm. might have adjacent people, for example, a project manager, a store designer, a facilities mm. manager, and a facilities mm. assistant, something like that, who are dealing with more maintenance or construction of new stores and the design of new stores and things like that. Mm. Um, but this kind of work can differ depending on how big or small your company is. For example, um, H&M will have their own property team. 
and they'll probably have I don't know maybe 20 or 30 different leasing managers or leasing um, assistants who are working on their leases in different areas of the country and of the continent things like that mm. um, so it kind of differs depending on what kind of company you are and how many stores you have and things like that okay and what would what would, is like the natural career progression within um the survey the retail surveying role um it's interesting so um as i mentioned before like i kind of came in for like a really kind of weird way because mm. people would usually go through a graduate scheme yeah and then do different seats in different areas so let's yeah. say hotels offices um retail and investment and then mm. out of that they would choose which area they want to go down and then specialize after becoming qualified yeah um but I kind of knew that I wanted to do something property, I mean, retail related. So I went directly into retail already. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think long term, I kind of hope to, you know, get chartered and maybe become a head of property for a, a big retailer like, I don't know, mm. H&M or Ralph Lauren or mm. something like that. It's my kind of long term hopes. But mm. um, yeah, that's kind of something I do want. I do really want to stay in retail, I think. Mm. And what would you say that that? the average the average person earns there because we especially in within the black community everybody wants to get their bag and everybody wants to to live that lavish lifestyle that you also live so um what what would you what would you say the average salary expectations people are going to expect if they were to double into the old into the retail um sector um so it, it definitely differs so for example as a retail surveyor working like um the company that I work for, I work in client side work, mm. and working in client side usually pays a little bit more mm. than when you're working in agency. So, for example, if you're working for the CBREs or JLL mm. or Savills of the world, yeah, um, you working in agency and yeah. on the graduate scheme for graduate level, just to kind of put numbers into play. I think the average graduate salary for a graduate surveyor in London is around 26. Okay. thousand to like 28 mm. yeah and um if you're working clients side like i am it's probably around 27 and a half to 29 for mm. start of start salaries something mm. like that okay um but yeah it depends on kind of the company you work for how large it is and things like that mm. and then in terms of long term because you said that you have hopes of becoming charted does that increase or what's the situation with that then yeah so um when you get charted um it does your salary does jump um mm. so most people for example if you've been on the graduate scheme for two years and then you get chartered um some people stay mm. and um get a salary increase or some people move to get a, a more larger salary increase so mm. it's, it's kind of up to you what you decide to do but yeah mm. after you get chartered um there is a salary increase involved yeah Mm. And would you say that there is opportunity for potentially anybody to create their own business out of this in terms of contracting, just because we're in that, in that generation where everybody strives to be that entrepreneurial person, would you say that being a surveyor or specifically a retail surveyor that you're only stuck with working for a corporate company or working client side or working agency side, is there any way where you can secure your own bag? um without the need of having a backing of a corporation i think there definitely is and i've kind of thought about that route myself Mm. um however i think i've spoken to a few people who have kind of gone in that direction and they have um kind of like their own retail property consultancies where they maybe um where kind of retailers just hire them in 
yeah. um, maybe for a period of maybe three or four months when they want to open a new store and mm. then, you know, they let them go afterwards just so yeah. that they're keeping overheads done. They don't have to have an internal property team or yeah. they don't have to hire mm. agencies on like a long-term basis and mm. because they have fees and things. Uh, I have thought about it. However, after kind of speaking with people, it is something that is further down the line. Mm. I don't think, especially if you want to do it in something like retail, mm. you need a lot of experience mm. <laughs> to, to do something like that and be taken seriously mm. in an industry like this, I feel. Um, it's definitely going to take for you to at least, you know, be chartered for about maybe five to eight years plus. Mm. And then, you know, maybe look at starting something yourself. But, you know, because um, opening new stores, you're know, leasing disp- disposals and things like that, it's it's very expensive. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it's like it's hundreds of thousands of pounds we're looking at for mm. each and every store. And, yeah. you know, you have to know that your advisory is the right thing to do. And mm. for that, you, you do need those years of experience of working both tenant and landlord side because mm. um that's one thing my manager kind of said to me constantly he just said you have to know each and every angle that you're getting at here in order to advise mm. somebody because for example with us uh, my manager had worked for you know massive brands like westfield and mm. things like that and knowing and getting behind how they would think when mm. they are um writing leases up for us is very important mm. because we we can just be like oh well we know that they're going to say X, Y, Z. So we can then say X, Y, Z. Do you know what I mean? Mm, mm. Um, so it's important that you have a really well-rounded um, view of the industry as a whole and how it mm. works and how different stakeholders will work just mm. so that you know um, how to advise people properly. So mm. I definitely think for those of you who are looking to go into surveying and then make it a kind of consulting or kind of freelancer thing, you, you do have to get some years under your belt a bit of accolades and things like that <laughs> before mm. kind of getting into that foray of things mm. and I do think sometimes um we we forget that as young people we're just mm. like yeah I want to get my bag I don't want to mm. work for anyone anymore mm. and mm. you know and that's fine that's amazing but you have to put in the work first and yeah. get those foundations and get those mm. contacts because I'm sure you know working in property yourself this industry is all about contacts, yeah. your relationships, networking mm. events. Mm. I don't know how many networking events I have been to <laughs> so far, I've lost count, but it's mm. all about your network, who you mm. know, and who you can, you know, who you can ask for things from. Mm. Like it's all about people, this industry. Mm. So really use your kind of early years to build up that, you know, that rapport and that relationship that, you know, with other people. And, mm. you know, at the time you may think actually this person is useless to me like mm. what's this person going to do but try not to ever look at somebody like that really just think well you know it's my time to shine here and you know build as much reputation with somebody as i can so yeah definitely, definitely. Um, and can you touch on how to become charted what is this situation can you do you have to become charted or what, what is the process in terms of being a chartered surveyor um yeah so i think to answer your first point you don't have to become chartered to be a surveyor, but mm. you'll be very, very limited if you don't. And mm. uh, your salary probably won't go by a certain point unless mm. maybe, for example, let's say, I, I keep using the example of H&M, I don't know why. So let's say, um, for example, you've started off as a 
store manager for H&M mm. and then you went on to be an area manager and yeah. then you decided to go into property. So you decided to become a lease manager, for example, in the head office. Mm. And you kind of went through that natural um, progression. Now, if you're really good at what you do and you've had really solid experience within the company and things like that, you can get away with it. Yeah. But there'll be a point where seniors will ask you, do you want to get started? Like, do you want to go through your APC and get chartered? And you'll probably say yes. Mm. <laughs> um, so just to start from the beginning, how it usually works is if you didn't do a RICS accredited degree, so RICS is the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, and they're basically the, um, the governing body for the profession of surveying. Mm. And so if you didn't do a RICS accredited degree at undergraduate, you would usually have to do one for a master's. Okay. And um, to kind of do that kind of conversion move over. Mm. And so lots of people usually um, may do it that way. So if you're going into a graduate scheme, you would apply in the final year of your degree. And if you haven't come from a real estate background, they would basically, the company will basically pay um, and sponsor you to do your master's and work for them full-time as a mm. graduate surveyor. Um, this process usually takes on average two to two and a half years of working and studying. You graduate from um, your MSc, and then you also graduate and um, become qualified as a surveyor after sitting your APC exam. Um, well, it's not really an exam, actually. It's more of like um, a presentation that you have to do. Okay. and a case study um, format that you have to kind of do within your last year. Mm. And you also have to do a certain number of CPD hours. I think it's something like um, 96 or 92 or something like that okay. over the two years um, that you're kind of working. So that's kind of like the process of becoming chartered. Mm. Okay. And is there, aside from you, your busy schedule in terms of working full-time and handling your master's, is there anything else that you're doing on the side um, in terms of initiatives that are related to property or are you literally just focusing on the masters and working full time? Um, no. So I started called the land collective um, just under three years ago now. Okay. So again, it's something I started in uni where I, where I started getting really interested in um, property as mm. an industry. And I just thought it would be a brilliant thing to get going to actually show something tangible when I went into internships um, and mm. interviews and things like that. So I guess you could say I kind of invented it for selfish reasons in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to of, secure your bag anyhow, sis. I'm telling you. Yeah, I know. Like, I, sometimes I think about that. Like, I didn't expect to become this big. I just thought, oh, yeah, look, I do this thing. Mm. Like, that's that how I was going into it when I first mm. started and um, and now it's, it's a lot bigger and it's basically a platform full of um, articles written by young people and by um, property graduates and things that basically we are trying to educate more young people about the industry as a whole mm. and just about the built environment sector as a whole so that's everything from architecture from you know commercial property residential property construction everything so we cover a lot of ground on there we basically want to say that look property isn't just this one-dimensional thing that you look into when you want to buy a house um property as an entity affects us in so many different ways in our life 
Um, so when, um, for example, when I told people that I'm going to be like in retail property, they were just like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is that? And I just said, yeah, well, retail, it's a property, right? And, mm. you know, so offices and so hospitals and schools, like you can literally go into healthcare surveying mm. and you can go into like, you know, hotel surveying and things mm. like that. There are certain options that I feel like people don't really know a lot about. And, you know, even investment banks now have like realty management areas mm. and real estate um divisions and things like that you know so there's there's bits of some there's like something for everyone on that platform and you know we do a lot of um work with like property recruiters and um different universities just trying to get the land collective as a platform mm. into schools and colleges and other university career departments so mm. because we do want to pass on the message that um property and construction and things are careers for everybody mm. um because i think historically i think even you might have seen is that you know property is quite it was it's quite a traditional old middle-class white man industry mm, definitely <laughs> and um i think mm. it's slow slowly slowly changing that like, there's mm. initiatives such as um um Bayman property yep. who um they do kind of networking events where anyone working in the industry you can come along whether you're a mm. student and you have you have no knowledge of property or you've worked in property for like 10 years and it's mm. basically trying to get more kind of black and ethnic minorities into the mm. industry because mm. um while there are more than there were maybe 10 years ago there still aren't a lot of us i think yeah that's definitely true because i think what is changing now is especially when i became when i first started in the industry the typical estate agent that has the bad reputation a lot of them are now <laughs> this is even mad that I'm about to say this a lot of a lot of typical estate agents that have this um, reputation of being a con artist or cocky cocky jack the lad type um person a lot of them are being filled with a lot of black individuals i'm seeing a lot of black people um going up into estate agents and estate agents are usually the entry barrier to getting into the property industry but definitely i agree with when it comes to the corporate side of things there definitely isn't anybody um in terms of black people there is quite a lot of asian people but definitely in terms of black people i don't ever really see in terms of corporate companies, um, black people really showing out or being in high executive positions. I've, I think I've yeah. only seen probably one um, one black person that was at the head of a group of um, our group HR department. But in terms of like real proper management positions, we are really struggling. But on the same hand, we definitely are getting a lot of surveyors. There's definitely a lot of black surveyors that are coming out of the woodworks that I'm starting to reach out to, starting to notice. Um, but definitely that platform itself is is definitely something I think people definitely need to really look into just because of the fact that there is so much more depth to just, oh, who do I go to when it when it's a property? Is it just an estate agent? There's definitely so much more depth to the industry. Um, yeah. With that being said, what would you say is is, how would you describe working as a black young woman um, within within the industry, how how's your experiences been, um, and would you would you recommend if somebody has a slight interest in the property industry, would you recommend them working if they def- if they are black um, and young? How, how would you advise them essentially? Um, I think that this industry is a great one. I won't lie. I think especially when I did my 
um, internship at CBRE because that was like you know the biggest kind of company entity that I did work at. Mm. Um, the the types of people on that internship, like mm. there were times where we had like we went out for drinks, for example. Also, side note, if you're not into kind of socialising, this is not the industry <laughs> for you. It is not the industry for you. <laughs> you really need to like socialising to get by. In this <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so when I was um, at CBRE as an intern, we used to go for, out for drinks a lot and there'll be some days where I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I do not relate to whatever mm. you are talking about. Mm. And, it, and sometimes it could feel quite isolating. Like, for, mm. and this is just like a throwaway example. Like for, I think once um, everyone on that, on our, that kind of like our cohort was talking about going to Courcheville, which is like a ski resort. Wow. Lots of people love Property people love mm, to ski. ski. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they and, love their yeah, ski trips. Was, it was crazy. And I was just mm. sitting there like, and then I remember like sitting there like on the side, like Googling, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just like, oh, yeah, the ski resort, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I thought, okay, that sounds so fun. Like, I mean, I hate snow anyway, but yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that sounds so fun, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I was Googling, I was, mm. I was on booking.com, like, oh yeah, like what's the, average price of like a ski chalet or something i was mm. seeing two grand yeah like wow. for like two days i was just mm. like yeah hi like i can't relate <laughs> <laughs> there's and definitely like, rice at home yeah that's what i'm saying sometimes mm. it can be a little bit isolating and things mm. like that and be like when you realize they've all come from similar schools yeah they've all gone to oxford brooks or they've all gone mm. to reading the top two universities that you can go to for real estate mm. you know they're all the same kinds of ethnic background cultural mm. background like this countryside living devon on for the holidays and things like that mm. <laughs> and you're just like yeah um can't relate but um <laughs> <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. um but I, but despite that i just i couldn't recommend this industry more because mm. i feel like more black people just need to see it i i, mm. I feel like more black people need to see that it's a viable industry money mm. can be made here similar mm. to construction i'm starting to see more and more black people in construction not just mm. um the bricklaying stuff yeah. but in terms of actual construction managers and mm. commercial managers quantities of mm. and i want i want property to be on the same level as that like mm. people need to understand this is a really good profession to be in and mm. you know you're a very important person you know mm. like you know being a surveyor a commercial surveyor you're advising people over million pound assets mm. in the city like you could mm. be working on something like the shard or mm. you mm. know you're the gherkin or if you're into more infrastructure stuff london bridge and things like mm. that you know it's a, it's a really interesting sector that i recommend to so many people no matter what kind of ed, like educational background you come from mm. and i won't lie for some of the internships and work experience that i did to get here um some of them were unpaid Mm. and um i'm quite wary of um that kind of privilege there because not everyone mm. can do unpaid internships mm. and uh, work experience and things but i really wanted to get into the industry so i like i literally saved up money mm. for travel and food and things so mm. that i could do those free internships and get into the door because um again some some of these some this industry isn't quite as accessible as others Mm. Like there aren't so many kind of schemes that you that can um, be put in place yet 
um so that can you know kind of elevate you to get you there like you know i think it's like seo london and stuff like that okay like we don't really have that for property yet there's mm. mostly kind of law and banking and things like that yeah but i just think that this property is a great one it's fun um it can be quite challenging at times mm. and um i think that it has a long way to go as it pertains to diversity mm. and inclusion but it's slowly getting there and mm. it can only really get better if people start seeing from a young age that it's a viable mm. option to even get into these um corporate mm. companies mm. Mm. Yeah. okay okay but um so ultimately you you definitely do recommend um as a black woman um because definitely your experiences will definitely be different compared to me as a black man you would definitely recommend at least people to if they are slightly interested in the industry to definitely research um and potentially get themselves involved yeah definitely i mean i think um as a black woman it's it can be quite difficult going into kind of corporate jobs and interviews and things like that mm. um and you, you're constantly told that you can't appear like this you can't appear like that what i would say um in an area like property commercial property you do have to have your wits about you yeah um because sometimes especially if you're young as well like people Mm. won't really take you seriously Mm. so may i ask ask how old how old are you i'm 25 oh you're 25 okay so you're still you're still relatively young okay okay yeah Mm. and Mm. it's like you know you do have to have your wits about you you have to know what you're talking about and if you don't feel like you know what you're talking about ask somebody and mm. make sure you know, you're doing the right thing you do mm. have to be quite um confident and a bit forceful especially if you're working in an area for example like commercial agency mm. or you know residential agency even you do have to have a certain kind of personality to get by mm. otherwise you just get eaten alive basically <laughs> <laughs> like once um there's there's been so many scenarios where i've really tried to kind of downplay yeah. Um, how I come across and mm. it's always been caught out by somebody yeah um example I had like um an interview not too long ago when I was looking for like a graduate job mm. and I, I didn't want to come across like I I knew everything because yeah. I felt like that's a bit it comes across a bit like you know like you're only like a junior what mm. do you know mm. um so I, I was nervous to come across like that even though I had done the research I knew what like I knew what to say I just mm. didn't want to come across, you know, all like, oh yeah, she thinks she knows everything. Mm. And um, I didn't get the job. And in my interview feedback, they were just like, you held back. You mm. didn't, you, um, you were saying the right things, but you didn't come across as confident. And mm. in this job, in this industry, you need to know what you're talking about because mm. people have millions of pounds on the line. Like you can't yeah. hold back and things mm. like that. And um, mm. I've also been told that in my current role, like my manager, when I, especially when I first started in the first kind of two, three months, he mm. was just like, right, I'm going to need you to be a bit more aggressive, to be mm. honest, because, um, you know, you need to be on agents' backs all the time. You need to be saying, yeah, like, where's this? Where's that? You know, because things move very, very fast in um, mm. retail um, property and things like that. And I do think um, as a young person, you really just, you do have to really go for it. Yeah. if you want to make it and um mm. yeah take no business really do, do what you have to do to get by obviously be you know within reason <laughs> you still mm. have to be friends with people have relationships but um you do just have to be really confident and mm. really strive for what you want if you want to get far um if not you're probably gonna um drop out of it quite early mm. 
Okay. And where can people find you in terms of your own personal Twitter at or the Land Collective at? Where can people find you? Yep. So um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter is underscore X SMHX. Or you can um, search me on LinkedIn. My full name is Sarah Hayford. Um, so yeah, I'm always open for any questions um, about getting into the property industry and things like that. I just think it's a really cool industry to get into. And I think even if you don't want to be in it long term, I think just um, learning a lot about it and learning the kind of options that you have. So for example, I know that one thing I want to do long term is invest in property. Mm. And at the beginning, I only thought property investment was something you did in residential property. Mm. But now I want to invest in retail space mm. <laughs> and things like that. So, mm. you know, it definitely opens, opens you up to so many different opportunities.